Okay, sweet. Well, might as well just get started. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my name is Jacob Newton, or in the world of hockey, everybody knows me as Jake Newton. Um, I am currently living in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I'm a father to two beautiful children. My son, uh, Nash, is five years old, will be turning six next month. And then my beautiful daughter, Harper, is seven. She'll be turning eight in January. Um, played the game of hockey for 28 years. And fortunately, 10 of those years were professional. And seven of those 10 years were played in Europe. Um, so I got to explore around the world, play the, the great game of hockey around the world and meet different people from around the world and then really entrench myself into different cultures. Um, so seven years in Europe, six different countries. My favorite hands down is Finland. Um, if I could, I would move there tonight, leave everything behind and move myself permanently to Finland, but that's just not my life anymore. So I don't get to do that maybe one day. Um, other than that, I'm very passionate about mental health, all things, the mind. Um, I put myself out there essentially completely in, in terms of podcasts. I, I ran my own podcast for a few months, about five, six, seven months last year. I'm no longer doing that. Um, now that I'm done, I'm done playing. I'm coaching hockey now. Now that school has begun, it's a little bit slower now, but uh, we'll start picking up again. But I'm in the process at the moment of getting certified in breath work. Very, very passionate about breathing and breathing with intent and consciously breathing deep. And it can um, <clears throat> bring life to you, can help with so many different um, ailments, diseases, um, low energy, high energy, troubles sleeping. Again, so many different uh, things that just consciously breathing deep can help somebody to, uh, you know, live healthier and live deeper. Too many people are living so shallow. Um, so anyhow, I'm sure I could go talking on and on about uh, myself, but uh, so thank you so much for, for having me here today. And I'm looking forward to where this conversation goes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have so many questions after that. Uh, first of all, I feel like all the time I don't ever breathe right. Yeah. I've been told so many times that my breathing is just wrong. So yeah. we'll have to talk about that after. <laughs> Maybe of you can course. help me with that later. Yeah. Um, okay. Awesome. Well, okay. Yeah. I don't even know where to start. So what age did you start playing hockey? So I started playing hockey when I was four, um, just around the house. Um, I've got two brothers and two sisters. I'm the second youngest and both my brothers played, my oldest sister played, and we just kind of started by playing out in the street. Um, I started out in roller hockey. I did that for the first six, seven years and didn't make the transition to ice until I was about 11 years old. Um, so yeah, like I said, grew up uh, playing roller hockey, but I grew up in a small little town in California. Guaranteed nobody that is going to listen to this has heard of the town I grew up in called <laughs> San Jacinto. It was either last year or two years ago, it was rated the, the fourth worst city in all of California. Oh, nice. So, yeah. <laughs> so you can imagine how big California is and how many yeah. cities there are. And I come from the fourth worst one. But That's um, funny. luckily for us growing up, my parents co-owned a roller hockey rink in my town. So we had access to, to, to play hockey every single day. We were either playing behind the house in the street. Um, or we were putting our blades on and, and scooting our way to the rink and school at that time was essentially irrelevant. It was mom, dad, I'll, I'll clean the house today. If you let us stay home and we'd go straight to the roller hockey rink and not do any of the cleaning that we had claimed we would do. <laughs> um, awesome. But no, yeah. So like I said, grew, uh, 
started at the age of four and then officially done playing playing at the age of uh, I was 32 when I stopped wow playing yeah Yeah, or 31 31 gotcha so what how old are you now I'm 32 and I'll be 33 next month September 22nd okay well happy birthday (laughs) thank you my son's birthday is the 21st and he was actually born in Finland oh Um, that's cool hoping that his birthday would be on the same day but we had already planned either way if it was or if it was after that his middle name was going to be my name in Finnish so his middle name is Jaco which is Jacob in Finnish J-A-A-K-K-O that's cool Um, and I think it's pretty cool yeah he yeah sometimes I'll just call him Jaco and just (laughs) that's awesome what little little Finnish I know I'll speak to him and try and yeah that's cool so where did you go to college so I went to college at Northeastern University okay. in uh, downtown Boston. I played one year in the North American League in Texas, and then two years in Lincoln, Nebraska in the USHL, and then uh, committed to go play at Northeastern. At a, it was my dream to go to Boston College. Mm-hmm. Um, I was playing, I don't know, under 12s or under 13s. We had a trip out to Boston for a, a tournament. And we went to a Boston college game, BC Eagles. I'll never forget. And I just remember thinking to myself, this is where I want to go to school. I want to go to school here. I had gotten an offer scholarship offer from Northeastern, but uh, my former teammate, actually uh, Jimmy Hayes, he just passed away. Oh, we, played wow. together in Lincoln. we were roommates in Lincoln for a little while. And then he went to Boston college. And so he was there talking to his coach about me. And so his coach came out to watch me play a week after I got my offer from Northeastern and I was holding out because I knew they were Boston college was coming to watch and I was all excited (laughs) and I was a defenseman and I played so poorly defensively that my coach had to put me up on offense. And so you could probably imagine that that Boston college did not come with a scholarship (laughs) offer. And I eventually wound up taking the the offer from Northeastern and actually only wound up playing there for one season anyhow. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, so sorry for your loss. Um, second of all, so you only played for one season. Uh, where'd you go after that? I know you played in the NHL for what? One, like one game, right? No. Well, two preseason games. Okay. Um, so I, so I, so I, you know, I, fortunately I, I had a pretty successful um, freshman season was on the hockey East all rookie team. Um, and I had gotten an offer from the Capitals and it's weird because I had always wanted to go to school until I got there. And then I realized, whoa, maybe I should have taken a potential opportunity in the WHL years and years before that. But again, I got there again. That's what I kind of always wanted to do. And then I got there and realized you've got to be kind of dialed in as a student. And I had taken three years off from when I graduated to go into Northeastern and it's a pretty prestigious school. And I just wasn't prepared for life as a student athlete, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and again, like I said, I, I had a pretty successful season. Washington made me an offer and I was going to accept it regardless of if it was good or not to me, I don't come from money. So it could have been the, the minimum amount that they would offer a rookie. <laughs> and I was going to accept it. Yeah. And then my agent, excuse me, uh, was going to go and try and get me more money, which is what agents do. Thank you. And I guess Anaheim had caught wind that I was offered. Their original plan was to bring me in during summer because I you know, was living in California, bring me in during summer, show me around the facilities and then make me an offer. But then they heard about Washington's offer and then they came um, with theirs. And as soon as 
that was a reality. It was, it doesn't matter about the money. Where do I sign? And I'm going home with the potential to not play in front of my family, you know? Um, And I went immediately. So I signed a three-year contract, entry-level contract with Anaheim as a free agent and me going straight to Anaheim for the final six, seven weeks of the season took one of those years off. Um, So I was there with the guys and everything. Um, It took me about seven to 10 days before I could get on the ice. I got really sick prior to signing and lost like 14, 15 pounds. So I needed to get into the gym, get my body going again before I was clear to, to get on the ice. But, you know, I was there getting that experience of being around the guys and, you know, Solani and Niedermeyer, um, Getzloff, Perry, all these guys. It was an incredible experience, you know, going from playing in the USHL, playing 32 games, or 36 games, whatever it was in college. And then boom, here I am now in the NHL. I'm essentially still a USHL player, you know? And I just uh, was just like, whoa, I made it. This is my life. I did it. (laughs) I went from the fourth worst city in all of California (laughs) to the NHL. I did something right. So, um, but no, I I never had a career. I was um, not mentally prepared to be a professional at that time. So Mm -hmm. I never had a career in NHL, but, you know, thinking about my life now, I, it's it's funny. I was never going to have a career in the NHL, and I'm sure we'll get more into mental health. Um, I would imagine on this podcast here. Absolutely. <laughs> the, the way the world works is my opinion was the universe, whatever anybody believes in, was going to get me to that level. But I was mm-hmm. never going to have a career. It was just going to give me a platform to speak my story, to share my story, um, and spread awareness around mental health. So, yeah that having that perspective allows me to be completely at peace with not having that career that I worked so hard to get to. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so now I'm here, I am now I'm done playing at complete peace with, with my career and essentially with my whole life. So that's awesome. Well, and yeah, you still had a career. I mean, you played until like recently, so that's crazy. And you went all over the world, which is so cool. Yeah. Okay. So All right. Now for, I guess, the deep stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So let's kind of talk about like what happened when you were a kid, if that's cool with you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, So, yeah. So, you know, I kind of just, you know, mentioned it a little bit there. Um, So I going back to when I was born, I was born in Arizona, actually was not born in California. Many people in the hockey world think that that's the case. It's not. I was born in a small town in Arizona and we immediately shot up to Canada where my younger sister was born. My mom is full Canadian. My younger sister is full Canadian. My oldest sister is full Canadian. My oldest brother, full Canadian, all born in Alberta. And so anyhow, we moved straight up there. My younger sister was born in September, 11 months and 17 days after me. And we lived there for a couple of years. And then my father's mother became ill and she was living in California, which is what led us to California. Okay. Shortly after she passed, we moved down into the valley of, uh, I don't remember what the valley is called, but San Jacinto. And then um, shortly after that, my mother's brother passed away. And I'll get there. I'll get to. What we're <laughs> no, you're totally fine. Um, so my mother's brother passed away, leaving behind his wife and three children, three children. His wife was not fit to be a parent, let alone a single parent. And so we then made the decision to or my parents made the decision to adopt our three cousins. So now we're a family of 10. What my parents didn't know about those three cousins was that they had all been sexually abused by their uncle 
And so how, how could they have possibly known unless they were told, right? Family, this is just what we're doing. We're bringing them in. No questions were asked. They didn't know to ask the questions. So again, we bring in three cousins. They've all been sexually abused. And shortly after uh, the abuse began. So I then began getting sexually abused from the ages of five until I was seven. And it was just kind of by coincidence, irony that it kind of came to an end. My sister was, I get, from what I was told, I don't remember it. Um, My sister came home early one day from school when she wasn't supposed to, went into the house when things were taking place to go and open up a door and the door was locked. And why is this door locked? You know, and then come to find out what was happening behind those doors was, was the abuse. So like I said, that happened for, for two years. And unfortunately, um, I didn't receive any help after. I didn't receive any help for 18 years. Now, fast forward, I've signed an NHL contract. I'm in uh, Anaheim, living across from Angel Stadium, living two miles down the street from where I was going to be working out with Anaheim strength and conditioning coach, all the players and everything. And um, engaged at this time with a girl actually from um, from St. Louis. Uh, she went to she went to high school with Pat Maroon and all the hockey guys in oh, wow. in, uh, in St. Louis. So that's what why we were living there. Like I mentioned, yeah. there no many right. people in St. Louis there. Um, so anyhow, so she she came out to California. We were going to live together. Of course, we're engaged. And one one random day, um, my sister had come with her daughter to help us kind of unpack. And my sister had brought up something about those experiences um, as a child. I can't remember if it was in a joking manner or something, but it clearly caught the attention of my then fiance. And Mm -hmm. she looked at me and said, Jake, like, what in the hell is that? What is she talking about? And I had no idea either because 18 years of suppressing my mind did everything it needed to do to keep me safe, to not think about those things so that I could live in a healthy manner, which I wasn't whatsoever, (laughs) but that kind of opened me up to like, Whoa, what is she talking about? I should probably think about this stuff. If that's what happened to me, you know, again, I I didn't have any recollection Mm -hmm. um, around it. And so that next season um, I had started with Anaheim in training camp. I got sent down to their American league team in Syracuse. And so now we're in Syracuse. And my fiance at the time was going to her own therapy, talk therapy, once a week, going blah, 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 having a good time, enjoying herself, uh, healing her, herself. And then she just randomly asked me to come with her one day. And I said, sure, why not? Let's do it. So I go there and about after, I don't know, say two, three, four sessions, the dialogue, the conversation switched to me. And we started talking about my past. And that's when I really started to do some work on, you know, the, the abuse and mm-hmm. what it did to me psychologically, mentally, and what it did for me, I went down the path of three years of talk therapy, um, meeting with this lady in Syracuse. Um, and then two summers after that, we were living in St. Louis and Annie and I, her name's Annie, were going to couples therapy. So I had the meetings with my therapist, the couples therapy, and it was just uh, very intense, um, very, very intense. I made a lot of peace. I've been back to my childhood home um, in the last like three, four years. I've went into the bathroom where so much stuff has taken place. And I literally just sat there and meditated and put my mind there as five-year-old Jake, six-year-old Jake. I have very vivid memories about what took place in that bathroom. And I literally put myself into my childlike self 
and just went through it all over again. And there was no energetic change within my body. And that's how I knew, okay, I think I'm good. I don't, you know, I think I'm healed from this. Yes. There's more work to do in other areas of my life, but in terms of me thinking about this stuff, as, as soon as there's no energetic change within, then I feel like a person is actually healed from those experiences. And so that for me was a very uh, profound moment uh, in my healing journey. Yeah, that is, that's pretty crazy that you were able to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, so whenever you were going to therapy and stuff, you didn't have any memories of it at all before. Mm -mm. And then once you kind of like tapped into it, that's when it was all like coming back. Yeah. You know, then I would start having more conversations with my parents and my, my oldest sister and the, the, the experiences that I went through or that were done to me also happened to other people in my family, but that's not mine to share that, which is right. why you probably never knew that if you've read any of the articles on me, it's mm -hmm. not my business to share that, but it didn't happen to my oldest sister. So she was one that I would kind of talk to the most about it. Her and I have the closest relationship from uh, in between all my other siblings. Um, so yeah, that really just got me to kind of just go down the rabbit hole, so to speak, and try and navigate my life. And I, you know, growing up, my, my father was an alcoholic. So that was kind of my example. And, you know, based on what I experienced as a child, my father being an alcoholic, I was most likely going to go down that path as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you would say I was an alcoholic, but from the ages of probably 15 to 20, I would drink five nights a week during season with the intent to black out every single night. So I would play when I was in Lincoln for those two years, when I was in uh, Texas, um, the year after I graduated high school. Um, we play Friday and Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night was just me drinking and drinking heavily and smoking weed and chewing tobacco. And I would recover on Thursday and then play Friday and Saturday. And my biggest enabler was the on ice success that I was still having. So yeah. nothing crazy was happening in my life that opened me up to the idea that the way I was living was very unhealthy nothing, nothing happened. You know, right. um, I was still succeeding and I was still the guy on all the teams that I played on. So there was nothing that told me, Oh, I should probably stop. No, I should most likely continue. And then I will continue to have the success that I was having on the ice, which again, I signed, you know, got a division one scholarship from a small little shit town in, in California to play in division one college hockey to sign in an NHL contract. You know, it still wasn't enough. I was even, thinking back to my first year in Syracuse in the American league, like I had all the physical skills. I just wasn't there mentally. If I had the, the mind that I have now, then I would probably still be playing in the NHL, you right. know, but, but again, that was never going to be my path. That was never going to be my journey and that's okay. But I think back to my first year and I was the go-to guy, but I was the go-to guy off the ice. Everybody wanted to hang out with me. Everybody wanted to know where I was going on Saturday nights after the home games, you know, and it felt really good to, to get that validation from my teammates. And I was more consumed in my teammates liking me than I was consumed in my craft of now making it to the pinnacle of the sports. I worked so hard to get there, even though I was drinking heavily and partying like crazy. I still worked hard. You don't get there by accident. Right. You get there, you know, to that level, you have got to be working hard in some capacity, you know, and then I got there and just stopped. I became 
comfortable and complacent and had many conversations with people um, that saw the potential in me, but they were never going to be my greatest teacher. Life was always going to be my greatest teacher. And it took me getting knocked down to a very low league. It took me cheating on my then wife and her finding out for me to really start healing. Um, and then it took her wanting to divorce me for me to go even deeper in my healing journey. Um, so while you know, now I'm fast forward and I'm just going to continue speaking if you're okay with that. Oh, go for it. <laughs> um, I was, I was playing in, in Finland, this, the 2017, 18 season, um, two months into the year, I went I married at the time, two kids went alone. She had a really hard time in the Czech Republic the season prior and said, I'm not coming to Europe anymore. You choose, are you going or are you staying and getting a normal job? I felt it was best for me to, to continue playing because that was my only source of income and it was a good income, you know? And so I went and then a few months into the season, she decided she didn't want to be with me any longer. And I think back to when I was packing to leave for that season for Finland, um, I was big into mental toughness, building mental strength. So I had all these mental toughness books that are specifically for sports, you know, but there was another one that as I was packing, I picked up and it was a book called The Untethered Soul. I didn't buy it for myself. She bought it for her. When I look back on it now, she did buy it for me. She just didn't know. And so <laughs> yeah. I look at the book. I don't look at, you know, the, the, what's that word? Like the, the back of it or. Yeah. You know, like the summary it's going to get yeah, yeah. You know, on, the, on the inside, whatever you turn over that first page of the summary or on the back. I didn't do any of that. I just looked at it and said, huh, maybe threw it in my bag. Well, seven to 10 days after her decision, I was able to regain my focus. And that was the first book that I picked up. And that book has forever changed the relationship I have with my mind and then therefore my life. Um, and so I'm forever grateful for her for a staying with me after I cheated with her and then B for divorcing me, because had those two things not happened, I would have not, I would not be having this conversation with you right now. Yeah. And that book is unreal. I just recently uh, read it and it's mm. literally changed my life too. So it's crazy, Yeah. but that's awesome that you say that it's, it's crazy that you say that everything, pretty much everything happens for a reason. I mean, mm. I think that's such a cliche, like cliched statement, but it's so true, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is obviously shown in your entire life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it is, it is very cliche. But I think so many people are throwing it around, but they're not like actually living it. Yeah. And, and the truth is, is that life is going to continue to recycle our experiences until we wake up to the lessons. So had I, you know, gotten divorced, I could have gone down a different path. I could have gone to just going back to the old stuff that I did, the old habits, but I had lived that life and I had done a certain amount of healing in terms of the talk therapy. It was great for me, but it wasn't everything for me. It took me reading that book to understand that, yes, I went through therapy, but my mind was still calling the shots, my preferences in life, my likes, my dislikes, positive, negatives. Yes. No, my subconscious mind was running everything. And I had no awareness around that. And so even after me cheating and her finding out and me going through the therapy, I was still living in an unhealthy manner. I still had unhealthy habits. I was still suppressing and I had no idea that I was suppressing, you know, I would still drink every now and then. Um, and the thing is, is it like when people are suppressing their emotions, we as humans, we don't get to select which emotions we get to suppress. So I could smoke a joint. And if I'm smiling and laughing, which most people do when they're high, 
that's not me. That's the weed. You know, I can drink all the booze and be on the dance floor doing my crazy hands. That's the alcohol. That's not really me. The happy emotions are also being suppressed as well. It's not just the negative ones, you know? Um, So yeah, there's a lot. uh, I'm just, truly, I am just so grateful for everything. I would go back and have everything happen again. I would be sexually abused again because that was always going to be mine. That was always going to be my journey and my story. Mm-hmm. And so again, life was going to bring me right to the NHL. You have all the skills to get there, but that's not going to be you. We're going to give you that platform so that you can tell your story and potentially help other people with, with their own journey of, of healing. Yeah. Have you ever uh, read The Alchemist? I've not, but I have been recommended it. You know, it's, it's uh, The Untethered Soul. It's like my ego wouldn't allow me for probably a good three years to read any other book because <laughs> of the, such it was so profound. It resonated so deeply with me. It was like that was my Bible, mm-hmm. you know, so somebody would come along and I, many people have, have recommended The Alchemist or The Power of Now. In the end, all of these books, they're all the same. They're all saying the same yeah. thing just from a different perspective, a different, a different lens from a different human's experiences, you know? Yeah. Um, so I recommend everybody to read The Untethered Soul, but that's yes, okay. I would too. Yeah. Um, but in The Alchemist, there's a saying, um, it's, I, I don't know if I'm even saying it right, but it's the word muktab. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty much, it means like it is written. So pretty much everything that happens, it's already written, like your story was already written and it's always going to be that way. It's just kind of you living it and you like, being at peace with it. And that seems to be exactly what you're doing, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's crazy because there's so many in, it, in terms of religion and God and all these things. And I don't even know why I'm going there, but I'm going to go there. It's I'm not religious. That's totally fine. You know, I'm not religious. I don't believe in religion. I don't believe in an external source. I believe we are the source. I believe God is real, but I believe God is within God is love, mm-hmm. unconditional love. And I believe we all have that just through the years, society, parenting, our caretakers, our teachers, our friends, um, takes us farther and farther away from that, you know, and then religion comes in. And I just think it's all fear based for the most part. If you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. If you do this, you're going to go to heaven. So people are just kind of always living in fear, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, but if you can tap into yourself and you know anytime you pray you praying to yourself you're trying to you know manifest and create you know um so yeah i don't believe uh, in an external god i believe i am god and i believe you're god um so if you're god and if i'm god we can create the life that we want and it just comes from the power of, of thought you know yeah i like that so what made you want to heal i mean because you know a lot of people would go through honestly like whatever you did at the beginning like you were just doing your thing and you're like this is fine mm-hmm. um so yeah what kind of changed yeah so i would say the first experience of me cheating and her finding out made me realize that the decisions that i'm making are having an immediate impact on those closest to me obviously her and then my family as well was impacted by my decision to do what i did Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second one, her deciding she didn't want to be with me any longer. I was devastated. 
I was devastated. Um, I'm 5,000 miles away from home. I'm on an island. I'm isolated. Yes, Finland is an incredible country and everybody speaks English, but it doesn't matter where you play in Europe. If you're an import player, after a few weeks, things are going to kind of settle down and the, the, um, the local guys are going to stick to, you know, hanging out with themselves, speaking mm-hmm. their own language. Yeah, they're going to include you. But for the most part, you've got nine months in this foreign country as an import player. You are on an island you know, and here I am now, this decision was made and it happened um, during a national team break over in Europe where these, the nations, different nations, they'll go and play in tournaments in November and there's one in January or February. And so the leagues take a break. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when it happened for me. So this season I was the DJ, I was an assistant captain. I'm Mr. (laughs) Happy Jake is what they call me in Finland or Mr. Sunshine. I was always the first one to show up, always playing the music, laughing, joking, having a good time. Um, but on this particular day, that wasn't me. I wasn't there first. I was, you know, in the coach's locker room crying uncontrollably. Um, and so this experience made me realize again, I cannot allow anything outside of myself, any decision, any situation, any experience to make me feel internally what that one decision made me feel. I was destroyed. All I wanted to do was be with my kids. But I couldn't just go and be with my kids because I have to continue playing and I have to continue making money. And I felt like if I just leave, I'm putting that all at risk. Would I really come back? I have no idea. But what I did know is that in six weeks, I was going to be going home anyhow. Um, It was already pre-planned. I was going to go home for Christmas. Um, So I kind of had that as kind of like, okay, this is what I'm holding on to now. I need something to hold on to. I don't have the strength in the moment to overcome this, but that's kind of like my why for going through the next five weeks. Um, so again, I, it's not like I went into reading that book or came out of this decision. And after, like I said, seven days, eight, nine, 10 days before I was able to regain my focus, it's not like I said, fuck, I want to heal. That's all I want to do because I still have to go and play hockey. You know, I can't be going on this spiritual path right? and then have to go to the rink and, you know, be all physical and stuff. When what I just want to do is go and hug everyone. I love you all. You know I mean? It just, it, it, it was a, it's not a good mix. I remember, you know, cause I still played for the next three years um, after reading the book. And I remember thinking to myself, I can't go so deep right now. This is not the time for me to go deep where I want to go because I have to still go and be a warrior on right. the ice, even though that wasn't really my role. I wasn't the most physical guy, but you have if you're playing at the professional level or at the college level or any high level of any sport, you have compete in you, you know, you've got to be willing to go and be assertive and go get it. And, you know, and I, and I felt like if the deeper I would go, it would take me farther and farther away from that. And again, that was my source of providing for my children, you know? Right. Um, and now that I'm done playing, like I'm ready to rock. Like I want to do all the healing. I want to go and do so many different things. I want to do like a microdose of shrooms. Um, I've heard about the benefits in terms of that and in terms of healing. Yeah. Um, ayahuasca, I've heard a lot about. I want to do a darkness retreat where you're just in pure darkness for seven days. You're hardly eating. And then after three days, after about 72 hours, the melatonin buildup um, turn, switches into DMT. And then huh. you begin having images and things like that. And I just want... It's like once you are on the path of healing, it's all you want to do. And it's all you yeah. want for other people. You, you get to a certain level and you feel so high just on life. And it's just like, God, if I can do this, everybody can do this. And it just starts with a choice. 
or it starts with something catastrophic happening, which I was fortunate enough that I had those experiences, but that happens to people all the time, but it's still not enough for them because that, you know, not everybody's going to heal and not everybody's going to, you know, quote unquote, wake up. Right. Um, but at some point, when is enough enough, you know? Yeah. It's, I think it's really interesting and cool that you say like all of these traumatic things that happen that you say that you're fortunate that they happened. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really awesome outlook. And I think that is not how I was for like the past uh, I don't even know, three or four years. And I think I'm finally getting to that point mm. of being like, yeah, that happened to me for this. So I'm grateful yeah. that that happened. And that's, I really like that you said that, that that's really awesome. But yeah, um, like in order to like fully move on from whatever it was that you went through or for myself or for anybody that's going to listen to this in order for you to fully move on for you, you have to fully accept it. Right. What ever happened happened whether it was you doing something or something that was done to you if it was something that you did you were truly doing the best that you could based on your previous life experiences it doesn't matter what you wanted to do differently you know you had if you're not doing any type of work on your mind you are essentially in no control whatsoever and everything that happens is just based on the past your past experiences you know right Um, yeah absolutely yeah so, man, I feel like I have so many questions. <laughs> I don't even know where to start again. Um, so, I don't even know. I mean, did you have like anxiety, depression, like anything like that before you went on your healing journey, or was it more so just like the suppressed traumatic events? So I for sure had depression, experienced depression, um, anxiety. I, I maybe, I don't recall, um, a lot of nerves, a lot of, uh, mood changes. I remember, you know, I moved away from home when I was 15, uh, to go and play in Oregon, a, a junior B league in Oregon, just outside of Portland. And I remember that being a very challenging season. Obviously I'm 15 years old. I'm away from mom and dad, I'm away from all my brothers come from a big family. And I'm away from that now at a time when I needed love the most, I wasn't getting it. And now I'm homesick. But then that year, and then probably for the next six years, I experienced mood changes once a month for a week at a time, where I would think about something that would make me sad. And it would send me down this week long path of just being highly emotional, Mm -hmm. super nervous, I would if I was playing a game or in a practice during these weeks, I felt like I was going to throw up before every single game. What it was, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I would imagine to some level, some PTSD as well. Um, you know, I met with Anaheim's doctor um, when I first signed and I remember telling him about those mood changes. And so he kind of just put down mild depression So I never went and saw a doctor at any point and they, you know, diagnosed me with depression. Thankfully I didn't do that knowing what I know now and viewing life the way I do. um, I'm very grateful that I never went and saw a doctor and got prescribed anything because I always had hockey. Hockey was always my escape. Working out was always my escape. Drinking and smoking and those things were always my escape, but I didn't need any antidepressants or anything because I'm sure you know what working out does for a person and how great of an antidepressant that was. So I had that on the daily, you know? Um, So, so yeah, no, I was, 
I experienced so many different um, mental challenges in, in all these years. And again, I had no level of mental awareness whatsoever. I just thought that this is just how you feel. This is how everybody feels, you know, yeah, right. I didn't know it was ju just going, 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 and I can control this and I can stop it and I can choose what I want to think about. And therefore I can choose how I want to feel. I didn't know that then. And had I known this stuff at the age of 13 or 14 or 15, whoo, who knows, yeah. you know, where, where I would be. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about. Yeah. So whenever you say like, you can control your thoughts and everything. So, because I'm in the process of learning that, um, I have OCD. So I have a lot of intrusive thoughts. I have a lot of like random thoughts that don't even make sense. Like I have to do this light switch or else my parents are going to die type of thing. Mm. And that is super hard to not think about, you know, yeah. I mean, like you think like, don't think of an elephant, like you're going to think of an elephant, you know what I mean? So in that specific thought in my head, like that's such an intense fear for me that I like feel like I have to counteract it by doing like the OCD things. Mm. So I don't know. I guess my question is, how did you get to the point of, yes, I can pick my thoughts and yes, I can think what I want to think and feel how I want to feel. Yeah, probably. It probably wasn't until I read the untethered soul mm -hmm. that like for anybody that has not read it or even heard about it, it like, I used to think it was so complex until I read it the fifth time and listened to his stuff on YouTube it is a very simple book, actually. It'll tell you pretty much word for word what is taking place at the mental level. It's just mm -hmm. your, your mind is just a thought creating machine. So while you're sitting here, you might start having these thoughts. That's all they are. They're just a thought. If you can say hi to them. Hi, thought. I see your back to make me feel a certain way. And, I, and I'm not going to play the game today or right now. You know what I mean? Um, so, again, it, it wasn't until 2017 where I was just like... I would read one chapter at a time and typically anytime we're doing something that we can subconsciously do, meaning we don't have to think about doing it. Reading like is like that for many, many people driving a car, texting, walking. We don't have to consciously think about doing it. It's programmed. Our body knows what to do, you know? So anytime you're reading, typically our mind's going to water and you're going to completely not even be present with a, a, a page, a paragraph, two pages, a whole entire chapter. So with this book, I wanted to be very intent intentional so anytime i would catch my mind water wandering i would come back i would go back a page or go back a paragraph and so that i could fully process mm -hmm. what it was that this book is trying to do for me and do for anybody that's ever read it and then i would just start applying it into my my life so one of the chapters in that book talks about like your inner roommate you're you know just yep. trying to put that voice in your mind into a body right next to you and it's following you around all day long sometimes that person's going to be making you feel really good but about 95% of the time, he's going to be making you feel terrible and you want to not be involved with this person whatsoever. But that person is in your head, you know? So what do you do? Well, I understood then, oh, shoot, I can change the thoughts that are going on up there, right? I can change the channel. Again, it's just like a computer. It's just going, 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 going. And if you're attaching to every single thought, you're going for a ride and the thought leads to the feeling, which leads to the emotion. And gosh, you're just all over the place, never in control. So it took for me reading that book to really understand what in the hell was going on in my head. And then from there, I was able to create healthier habits. That's for sure. So 
how long how long did that take you to finally be at peace and kind of know how to think kind of um well I, I, I don't think I'm like still all the way there. I still have yeah. my, you know, I'm, it's, you know, I'm on my fourth year of being on this journey mm-hmm. and I'm at the point now I feel like where I don't want to read anything anymore. I just want life to be my, right. my tool. Right. I know how to be in the present moment. I have the tools to be in the present moments. I want my own life to be my, my book, so to speak, you know what I mean? Instead of always getting outside perspectives, just allow life that's meditating, being in the present moment. That's yoga, you know? Um, so I don't even know if I answered the question. (laughs) No, you did. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a ever evolving journey anyways. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. Wow. I still have so many questions. I feel like, (laughs) Yeah. And I, I don't know if like, I'll ever fully be healed. I don't know if we ever will obtain yeah. that. But one thing I do know, and I, I've listened a lot to Ram Dass. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Yes, um, He's no longer alive, but he's got a, a podcast to be here now podcast. And um, he was saying something about even him, you know, insane yogi and been to India and done all the drugs to really open himself up. Um, He's like, in all my years of doing all the work, I've never been able to escape the mental neurosis. I just have a different relationship with it. So while you think that you're going to heal and the depressive thoughts are going to stop coming, the anxious thoughts are going to stop coming, the bipolar, the OCD, it's not going to stop. But you reach a, a point where you realize that the thoughts are not you. There's something behind or underneath, and that is who you truly are. So if you can become more of just a witness to the thoughts or say hello to them, instantly what's going to happen is that the stranglehold that they have over your psyche is going to loosen immediately if you just say hi, give them a name or something, you know, Um, because I, I, again, I still experience it to this day. I'm a father, you know, and I have my, my worries, my concerns, my fears in terms of my children. Um, but again, it's just a story. Your mind is just creating this story and it's up to you to either choose to believe it or to not believe it. And most of the time, those stories never manifest into, you know, actual reality. Absolutely. So do you kind of talk to your kids about this stuff? Like, are you teaching them everything that you like wish you would have known when you were a kid or? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah, actually lately my daughter has really, really been liking it, which just fires me up so much. Like she'll legit sit down their eyes closed, you know, all the things. That's awesome. And it's just, I, I probably took the wrong approach because if there's anything that I want my kids to do, it's probably to meditate Mm -hmm. because I know what it's done for me. I know the calmness, the peace that it brings to me. And I want them to have that. Um, you know, working out is obviously another form of medicine that I use and my kids see me working out. So I know that they're going to pick up on that. Um, now doing all the breathing stuff. I've got my kids going on that. I, would I want them doing it more? Of course. Um, cold showers, they're all in on that. All the healthy stuff that I consume. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard of black seed oil. Um, I haven't, but I saw your post about it the other day. Yeah, it does not taste good at all. <laughs> Thankfully, my father was this way. He didn't care what it tasted like. If it was healthy, he was going to drink it and right. I'm or eat it. And I'm very much, I don't care what it tastes like. If I've read enough about it and I know that it's going to be good for me, 
bring it on. And so black seed oil is not a good taste whatsoever, but my kids are on board and they're taking it every single day um, along with a smoothie every single morning and the things that I put in my smoothies. And I'm just like, this is unbelievable. My kids are so freaking healthy. That's you know? awesome. <laughs> and I don't want them eating all of the junk like I did when I was a kid because mm-hmm. the food industry in America is way different now than it was 25 years ago when I was a kid going to Del Taco and eating McDonald's before the yep. game. <laughs> yeah. But I know now to never do that. And even if I <laughs> wanted to, I would just, I don't know. It just doesn't happen anymore. I don't want any of that crap anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've been doing actually a lot of research about like your gut health and like the foods that you eat. And it's, it's kind of scary. Mm. I mean, it's absolutely terrifying. All the things that are in foods that honestly just fuck up your body. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. But, uh, so, okay. So what does that oil actually like, what are the benefits and like, what have you read about it? Yeah. Tell so it's, 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 it's huge. It's a big time anti-inflammatory. And so anybody that has cancer or has ever had cancer or has ever died from cancer, they had a body full of inflammation and it typically starts when we're younger with what we doesn't typically start. It does start when you're younger and we've been fed that lie that we need milk or if we don't drink milk, that our bones are going to break. Well, what milk does cow's milk, it causes inflammation. And so just think about how much dairy we've, you know, consumed in all of our years until you get to the point where you realize dairy isn't good for you and it causes inflammation. Well, you're now trying for the, you know, to, make up or clear the mucus and the phlegm buildup that comes from dairy yeah. in the last 20 years. And so that's what black seed oil does. It helps to clear up the mucus, clear out the mucus, you know, um, for me, it's, it's incredible for respiratory health as well. So in the current times, um, that'd yeah. be a great oil for people to be taking on the daily. I do myself, um, my kids do it. Um, and my nasal passages are insanely clear. So I do all of this breathing stuff and I'm able to do it at an even deeper level because I don't have any blockages or at least my ego tells me I'm fully like free in my nasal passages, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's so dang good. They they consider it nature's flu shot. Um, and there's no, you know, negative side effects. It's just all positive. It's just, can you handle the 10 seconds of terrible taste in your mouth or chase it with something or whatever, um, which is what I have my kids do. I, they, I give them the black seed oil and then zinc and then vitamin D and then a probiotic. Boom, 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 boom. That black right. seed oil flavor is gone and they're, they're on. And then now, now we're crushing smoothies after. So um, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's funny real quick. Like I think back to how I ate as a child, like clearly not healthy. Like I don't think that there was anything that I ate that I recall, maybe a smoothie every now and then. But I had pizza last night where we live here in Ohio. Um, one of our favorite pizza places just opened up literally like two, three minutes away. So we had pizza last night and I went skated this morning with a couple of former pros um, and my stomach was just not feeling good. So I get an immediate response. You know, my body's communicating to me. Don't do this to us. Don't do this to me. We don't want to work hard for you if you're going to put that crap into us. You yeah. know? But I think why I'm bringing that up is because I think about myself as a kid, like, was I paying attention? Like, was I having those reactions to that type of food? Like we'd have 7 a.m. games. I'd be going to Del Taco and eating all these freaking just shit food, <laughs> you know, before I'm yeah. getting on the ice and then having McDonald's after. Like, I would imagine I was not feeling good. And how 
much yeah. different what I had felt if I was eating how my kids eat now. For you know, sure. You're probably just used to it at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your body just, yeah, probably wound up needing McDonald's because right. you don't drink so often. <laughs> yeah. So are you, like, you don't eat dairy? Are you vegan? Do you eat meat? Yeah. How, okay. Yeah, so I'm, I'm fully vegan unless I'm having pizza. But even then, I'll, I'll still probably do the vegan cheese, even though there is no yeah. vegan cheese that I've had that, you know, really tastes it's and <laughs> extra wise is actually like dairy yeah. cheese. But um, that's the only thing where I'll kind of let myself go um, will be pizza. After my years of living in Italy, playing over there, there I mean, pizza is my kryptonite. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And I love it so much. And uh, other than that, though, everything else is, is vegan. Um, okay you know, and I actually made the switch that same year where I went over where all where my life essentially completely changed. Um, that was the year where I was like, you know what, I want to do something different. I started to pay attention to how my body was reacting from taking in all of the Greek yogurt that I was taking in mm -hmm. every single day so much with all the seeds and nuts and everything. But I started to get this feeling in my stomach gurgling. And I'm just like, that is clearly the dairy. That is what yeah. that is, you know? And so I went on the path of just purely wanting to speed up my recovery. It was never with the intent to be vegan. Um, but then you start doing your own research and it just kind of led me to that, that place. And um, in the last four years, being vegan, um, taking care of my mental health, doing all the cold showers, doing all the breathing. I haven't been sick in four years. So wow. I, I made the right choice. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say so. Yeah. I, I've thought about this a lot too. Like, would you, I mean, obviously you played while you were vegan, but like, how did that work with like the protein? And like, is that a sustainable diet for athletes, like high level athletes? Yeah, I, I would say it is. I just think there's a lot of, not so much anymore. I think ever since that documentary, the game changers came out, it's brought a new light in terms of, you know, the plant-based athlete. Um, yeah. but yeah, my main concern when I first began was where am I going to get my protein? But I've come to the realization that protein is a big business. Do we yeah, really need the true. amount of protein that they claim that we need? Yes. Maybe elite endurance athletes need a little bit more, of course, in terms of recovery and muscle building and all that good stuff. Um, but it's out there. It's in every, it's in all the vegetables we eat. Yes. It's not at a, at a high level, but lentils and beans and all the nuts and seeds and everything it's, it's everywhere. It's just about experimenting. Don't go cold Turkey. Don't right. go from being extreme, eating all the shit to being, you know, healthy vegan, because there is unhealthy vegan too. Just because it's vegan doesn't make it good for right. you, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I, of course that was the, the biggest concern. Where am I going to get my protein from? But no issues whatsoever, you know? Mm. Um, and that was actually the best season of my career was that year where I first made that, that, that switch, you know, huh. um, it was more on the road, especially in Europe, trying to get, you know, the, the cooks on the road to cook a separate meal for myself um, yeah. in Scandinavia. They're incredible people. So they were very accommodating for that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So what do you do now? Like, do you, are you just like a coach or so what are you, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. So it just kind of fit, finished up the, the, the busy part of the coaching season, I guess you would call it. I'm not coaching any teams, just doing private lessons, one-on-one -on -one or groups. Mm -hmm. um, and now that seasons are beginning, the guy I'm working with, he's a former pro himself. 
Um, he started this company while he was still playing. He played six, seven years pro professionally. Um, and so now we'll just start working with teams. If they want us to come in, do some skills stuff or, you know, any, anything that the coaches want us to work on with these players, we'll go in and do it. So now I'll just be primarily working at night. So I'll have, you know, morning until five o'clock or morning until six o'clock off. But now, like I, I shared, I'm getting certified in, in breath work. So I'm learning all these different yeah. breathing techniques and, um, actually we'll be working with, um, my first client tomorrow. Um, a guy I met through my brother, incredible, incredible human going to start with him. I got a buddy, former teammate of mine. I played with in, in Lincoln. He's playing overseas and he wants to get going. Um, so I am doing that and then just being a father and there's nothing, um, in this life that I want to do more than that. I, I would love to just be with my kids all day, every, they're my best friends. <laughs> like, yeah, I love them so much. That's, so awesome. that's, that's all I want to do. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, I would love to hear more or learn more about the breathwork stuff. Um, like obviously at a later date, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, even like still playing soccer and like, like probably going to be leaving soon to go play. Um, that would, I feel like that would be a really awesome thing for me to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause I would imagine, you know, you, you probably experience pregame nerves and, and nerves oh, yeah. in general, right? Like yeah. all oh, yeah. athletes do, like all humans do. And in the end, it's just a feeling that's taking place in your body. And most people don't understand that if you just breathe consciously and breathe deep into your belly, that, that energy that's shifting within your body is eventually going to pass because now you're giving it the room to pass opposed to just breathing so shallow. Right. And then most people, when they start experiencing the nerves or the depression or the anxiety, they do everything that they can to push it away which you're just actually saying, we want you to stay. You're pushing it away. You're inviting it to stay. You know, it's, right. it's an icky feeling. I want to, but you're putting so much energy into it, so much thought into it. And it's just going to stay, you know? So anytime those thoughts become present, again, if you can just tap into your breathing, consciously breathe deep into your belly, up into your heart, up into your lungs, up into your head, slowly you're in control and then just change the, the, the script of what's taking place. I'm not ready. I'm not, you know, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this, or these are nerves of being prepared. I've prepared myself for this moment. I'm going to go out there and crush it and repeat that in your mind and see how quickly your body changes that, that feeling, you know? Right. Yeah. I love that. Even when you're like working out, like in the moment, that yeah. seems like it would be awesome. So. Yeah. So now like I, I'm very passionate still about working out. Like it's a lifestyle. Like I'll, I'll yeah. never not work out now you know? Right. Um, so I'll do like five or six exercises and go through that, you know, three or four times. And so at the end of each round, I started doing this breathing technique. I actually have it posted on my Instagram and it's insane how quickly I'm recovered after, and then how strong and energized I feel for the next round, huh. you know, and it's a, it's a very intense breathing technique, the one that I use. And so you think it's going to exhaust you, but it just pumps oxygen into your blood, which is then going straight into your muscles, which is just speeding up that recovery. And then you're kind of like supercharged. And it's like, yeah, I can go and lift the hell out of this weight and do this squat or whatever the case is going to be for you. And for anybody else listening, it's um, yeah, actually I just did a workout with a buddy prior to this. And at the end we did this exact breathing technique and um, I know he was loving it and I love it. So I'm just going to keep on doing that and, you know, continue to put out content and, and things like that. And just hopes to 
try and build something from this because I know what it's done for me. It's really opened me up. And if you've ever done any type of meditating or any yoga at some level, you probably then come to understand the different energy systems within the body. The chakras is, you know, in, in the yoga world is what, what uh, it's called. Yeah. But through doing this exact breathing technique, I'm kind of opening myself up. So while I'll still have my low moments, I'm experiencing life. I'm feeling everything, whether it's the highs or the lows or the in-betweens, I'm feeling it all opposed to, you know, the constant state of suppression, which is how I lived my life for, for far too long or perfectly the, the right amount of time, actually, when I think about it, but, <laughs> um, for a very, very long time. And now I've, I've identified all of that. And I'm probably to some level still suppressing some things with working out and with listening to music or with having conversations. I'm just fortunate and grateful that I've, I've, um, you know, cultivated healthy suppressions, you know, healthy ways of yeah. suppressing. In, Absolutely. In so, uh, okay. One of my last questions, probably, um, do you, how long do you meditate every day? Um, I like actually sitting down or laying down in meditation, probably 45 minutes, an hour. But what I've, I've come to find is that you get to a certain level where life is just your meditation. What I've learned from meditation, what I've learned from reading the books that I've read is just meditation is just the present moment. And if you can bring that into your day-to-day -day life, you get to experience reality for what it actually is opposed to the reality that your mind is creating, you know, which is in most cases just based on past experiences, you know? So if you can just be here now, you, you'll see life from a much clearer lens opposed to attaching to these thoughts. Now I'm disturbed. Now I'm angry. Now I'm seeing life through the, the lens of anger Right. where this person that was just beautiful isn't so beautiful anymore. That grass isn't so green. That car isn't so lovely anymore. But five minutes prior to that, I was thinking a happy thought and that person was beautiful. That grass is perfectly green and God dang, do I want that car? <laughs> what changed externally? Nothing. It was just the, the thoughts that were taking place at the mental level. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, that is definitely something that I need to work on and probably mm -hmm. a lot of people do. So it's definitely something you can work on. Yes. And can. I am working on it. So, <laughs> and, 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 you know, for anybody listening to how, how we speak about the things that we feel like we should be doing can either put unnecessary pressure on you or can empower you. So just right there that I yeah. need to be working on, well, that's going to put pressure on you. Right. Or right. I can do it. Now you're feeling inspired. Now you're feeling empowered. And it's going to be a lot more likely that you go and do the thing that you've been saying you should do for X amount of time, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So just a, a simple sh switch in, in the verbiage, the words that you're using there. Definitely. Yeah, man. Calling me out. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that was awesome. Do you have anything else that you want to share? Um, I feel like we could talk for hours probably, but <laughs> yeah, it would, it, it, you know, I could, there's so much that I could say, but yeah. I would just, no matter what it is you're seeking in life or again, for anybody, whether it's love or connection or safety, security, X, Y, and Z, understand that it's up to you to provide that for yourself. Mm. It's not my responsibility. It's not Peyton's responsibility. It's nobody's responsibility, but we've been taught, we've been led into believing that everything we want is out there, but truly everything that people are seeking is love and connection and being heard and being validated. But if you can do all of those things for yourself, 
which you can, you just have to choose to do it. Um, you'll, you'll, you'll realize that like I've come to the realization, I don't need anybody else anymore. If I have anybody in my life, it's because I want them. It's because they magnify the, the already wholeness that I feel. Right. You know, and that's, and that goes for my family as well. I love my family at a deeper level now than I ever have, but I no longer need them for anything because I've given for myself for many years now, you know? So anybody that's again, listening to this, understand that you have a lot more power. You have a lot more control than you are currently experiencing. It just starts with a choice. Um, sure. I think that's good. Yeah. Well, yeah, I read, um, in one of the articles about you, I did my research. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you said, if you can do it yourself, you don't need anybody. And I really liked that. That really stuck with me. Yeah. And, and I think you, you can in, in every situation. Um, now being a father, being a parent, like I think about parenting a lot and how we speak to our kids. And then I think about how I was spoken to and the limitations that were set upon me. And in the first seven years of, of our lives, we're being programmed. We're running on a mental frequency, a frequency in the mind that is so level. We're just in absorption mode. So those first six, seven years is going to dictate who you're going to be in your life. But you can also reprogram that. You can also reprogram your mind. And the moment you decide to do that, you are now creating a different future for yourself um, based on your conscious choice to become a creator. You are a creator. We are all creators at some level. Some aren't creating, or actually we're always creating. Um, just some people are creating health, healthy yeah. habits. And, and unfortunately, too many people around the world are creating very unhealthy habits, which is why we get what we've currently got at the moment. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Different creation levels. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Yeah. Well, that was awesome. Thank you so, so, so much for doing this. I am so appreciative. Yes. Um, yeah, well, it was so nice to meet you and talk to you and yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, thanks so much for having, um, having me on here and, you know, Frick, if you ever want me on again and talk about other things, it doesn't matter. I'm again, I'm, uh, I'm an open book. You could ask all of the uncomfortable questions and I will be very comfortable with the discomfort. But yeah, uh, right? again, no, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, yeah, definitely. We'll have to have you on again because yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll have a re- good rest of your day. Thanks again. Yep. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.